Hey everyone, welcome to Vanessa on Films. This is episode 18. This, I, yeah, it, episode 18. This is a podcast where we just discuss film, TV news, all that fun stuff. And uh, there's actually like a lot of news this week. Of course, again, since the writer strike um, has ended, um, a lot of writers are still not doing anything until um, the actors are allowed to continue with their jobs due to the fact that they're still on strike but a lot of writers have been you know just talking about what they are working on and stuff like that so um yeah I guess news has kind of just been ramping up due to the fact that yeah um writers are starting to guess I, I guess just you know um work a little bit more and stuff along that line so a lot of news regarding projects or new projects have been yeah I guess like coming to light Again, I probably won't edit this episode. Um, I did it last week, then I listened to it again when it was released, and honestly, like, it sounded pretty good. I don't think there was any glitches, and, um, you know, I, if there is, um, I'll try to fix it during the recording, uh, but yeah, so anyways, um, let's, let's start out with some Mm-mm, not news but basically I was just gonna say like I'm kind of really behind with like watching films in theaters I I went uh recently to the theaters but yeah like I I guess I just feel a little bit behind um I haven't watched Killers of the Flower Moon yet but I don't yeah like I, I'm not exactly sure when I'm going but I know that I will eventually go and that I do want to support um the film in theaters and I know that there's a lot of, like, great things that are coming out. Um, again, like, since I'm in Toronto, like, I know that a lot of um, films that are playing at TIFF, like, at the Bell Lightbox, they have, like, really limited runs. So if you miss, like, that week that they're in theater, you're probably not going to end up watching it in a theater. Like, I wanted to watch Faux, and then I checked the website, and it's just not there anymore, even though it was just playing literally last week. Um so or uh, uh, yeah like two weeks ago and it's just like I don't know like I guess I just missed my opportunity to actually go watch the film um because I know that I really did like it's not that I was not interested in seeing it you know I'm a big fan of Saoirse Ronan obviously so I wanted to go obviously I said that as if (laughs) every I mean everyone should be a fan of her acting so I guess that's why I said it but uh, but yeah like I I don't know I just I I know that I wanted to watch it and then it just since TIFF only has like a small number of theaters and they have a certain amount of you know films that they have to show during the day um obviously like they have limited runs um what I was gonna say also is that TIFF also plays a lot of the films that are going to be on Netflix due to the fact that they have to have like a limited theatrical release in order to be like considered for awards and stuff like that so TIFF often plays those kinds of films so yeah I mean um I'm recording this on a Tuesday and I think today is the first I could be wrong but I think today is the first secret movie club that is happening for this season at TIFF. Um, that's basically just a, it's basically like a screening of a film that hasn't necessarily been released yet. And usually, um, a a writer, director, a cast member or whatever will be there, uh, to promote the film, but you kind of go into the film not knowing what it is. But the thing is, TIFF often tweets, like, a set of emojis to give, like, a hint about 
who or not who uh the film that is going to be playing and it's so obvious like that for this one they they dropped like a bunch of emojis with like a mirror that I don't know what those things are called, but like the sad and happy, like acting face masks. Um, and everyone's like, okay, it's definitely May, December. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it would be more interesting if they didn't. I don't know. I, as someone who like sometimes goes to Secret Movie Club, like, yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> I, I guess that would be cool. But yeah, like, I don't know. I guess it would be like cool to just... um. I guess have a little bit of a hint or have an idea but I think the whole point of Secret Movie Club is going into it and not knowing what you're gonna be watching so when they do those like hints with the the emojis you're kind of just like hmm okay well that ruins the secret and everyone in the like replies and quotes is like okay it's May December and I mean we don't know that for sure but Based on the emojis, like, you kind of have an idea of what it's going to be. But anyways, um, I was going to buy the, the, you could buy, like, a subscription, which is basically, like, you could get, um, yeah, just, like, access or tickets to all the screenings. But, like, I'm not exactly sure how, like, not schedule-wise, but it's, like, I don't necessarily want to, if it's a film that I'm not necessarily interested in, in based on the emojis and based on what people are guessing i don't necessarily like want to spend or like have access to tickets when someone else probably would want to you know see the film so i, I probably just usually what i do is like usually i um check closer to the date to see if there are tickets available and um yeah from there i basically decide if i actually want to see the film and uh, get tickets but basically what i was saying i don't even know how i started talking about this but yeah i i'm behind on watching a lot of films in theaters i haven't watched killers of the flower moon i haven't watched the taylor concert movie although i don't necessarily know if i want to i know i know it kind of is it kind of feels just like a concert going experience so there are going to be people dancing singing and recording and i don't mind that like i don't think Taylor cares that people are doing that. I feel like she probably emphasized that this is kind of a concert away from a concert type of thing. And so I understand that people are going to be recording and like singing and yelling and dancing. And I think that's fine. Like I'm, I think that's totally cool, but I don't necessarily know if I want to endure like that in a movie theater setting um but like all the power to you if you are going to watch the film i'll watch it eventually um and i i don't know i think watching it on a big screen would be really 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 fun i just don't necessarily know if i want to do that like for three hours enjoying that in a movie theater type setting and yeah i don't know uh, but i'm definitely gonna go watch killers of the flower moon just not sure when yet there's um I call a lot of like fun movies that are out right now and I'm I know that Tiff I think is playing Anatomy of a Fall so I'm I'm looking forward to actually going to watch that. I actually went to go watch uh Dicks on Friday. Yeah. So I I kind of knew going into it that it was going to be like wacky and weird, but it was just like so absurd and I don't know. I I think I if you're following me on Letterboxd, or if you want to check out my Letterboxd uh, at Vanessa Films, obviously, um, I think my review kind of really just, like, sums up what I feel about the film. I mean, it's definitely, like, not my kind of comedy, but I really do respect the 
vision and it was really really funny don't get me wrong and I don't know I think a lot of the criticisms surrounding the film are actually about the music and I I see it I I kind of get it but I don't know at the end of the day it's kind of just like a parody so I understand that the music itself is very satirical alongside the you know more narrative elements of the film or the dialogue etc and I don't know I really really loved how everyone just committed a hundred percent 110 percent to the film and to their characters and just like the absurdity of it all and the wackiness and how honestly like I don't even mean this in a negative way but like how stupid the film was and how you just have to you really just have to like give it your all when you're in that position as an actor and um I, I mean I I watched it because I knew I would be interested in seeing how they made some sort of a sort like a film like this and um yeah I don't know I think I think it really is kind of just like a fuck you to respectability politics and I don't necessarily know if that was the intention of Aaron and Josh um but I mean from my perspective I obviously think of things a little bit more like theoretically and that type of thing and I I just I was like yeah this this totally rules that they can make a film like this and it couldn't it like in my letterbox review I said that the film itself couldn't have come at a better time um it's based on the musical um I think it was an off-broadway musical um that Aaron and Josh wrote and Aaron Jackson Josh Sharp I'm saying it as if (laughs) yeah (laughs) as if I'm their friend but um yeah, I mean, I watched, or watched, I always say watched every time I'm talking about a podcast, but I listened to the episode of Las Culturistas that they were on, and um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so fun to listen to it, and I guess just <laughs> hearing them talk about the film, I'm like, this is going to be so fun and interesting, so I had to go see it, and I think it's just cool to support those kinds of weird films <laughs> and that often get like lost in like the larger like blockbusters, et cetera, type thing uh, within that kind of dynamic of the film industry. So um, it's fun. Like, honestly, if you want to have a fun time, go watch it. It's definitely not going to be for everyone. Honestly, like at the end of the day, I don't think it was even for me, but I really do respect it. And um again the performances were just like incredible and um honestly like even if you're not into those kinds of films I suggest just listening to the Las Culturistas episode with Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp because it's just hilarious and like Bowen plus Bowen Yang is in the film and so hearing them talk about the film and like the set dynamics and um (laughs) the whole like conversation they had surrounding like craft service was so funny um not necessarily about on the film but uh <laughs> there's like lore behind um basically like julie chen was talking about how it was rude of matt and bowen to ask uh like tracy morgan about like his, one of his co-stars and then matt was like like what are we supposed to do ask him about like craft service or whatever um so it was just like I don't know seeing them talk about the film in that kind of setting kind of like drew me into the film anyways I'm kind of rambling but basically the point I was making is that I haven't been watching many films in theaters but I know that I have to start up again and I'm just definitely really excited for yeah 
um, to do that because I really love going to the theaters, especially when it's a more empty theater and the audience is me and everyone else is 60 plus. I really just love those kinds of audiences or 50 plus. Um, and so, yeah, I need to start going to the theater more. Uh, my opening rant slash question this week actually does lead into the first piece of news. Honestly, I was just thinking, and the question that I want to open with was, when will this strike end? Uh, I've been talking about it so much on this podcast because obviously I have to update you guys about the news and uh, it's just, it's just so annoying because as someone who is a writer, I know that I'm never going to work within the industry as a writer, but it's just really annoying because what like like what is your issue <laughs> like i don't it's just oh my god like it, they're like refusing the most minimal things that they can do in order to make these people's lives better these like actors and i'm thinking of like the strike also in terms of yes these people aren't being paid but there's also really not a lot of promotion going on regarding these films that are being released in theaters so they can't promote they can't do talk shows they can't do this that whatever they can't tweet about it they can't make fun posts about it on instagram etc unless they're an indie film unless they got like an interim agreement and so i just feel like a lot of actors are really missing out on the opportunity to promote their films in fun ways and you know i, I was thinking of a film like bottoms which it's just a bunch of young actors, a bunch of hilarious young actors, talented, funny, and, you know, the fact that they didn't have that opportunity to have a quote-unquote traditional press tour is kind of really, like, bumming me out because I feel like if they did have that opportunity, the film, I mean, first of all, I think the film is a success on its own, but I'm thinking of something like Bottoms where if it was given the traditional press tour, it just would have been so good for these actors to have that, you know, opportunity to, I guess, to show off their charisma. And the people in this, I'm thinking of like the people in this film, you know, like Io, Rachel, and, you know, all those very like that kind of like crop of actors who are just like so hilarious and talented and the fact that we didn't get to watch like videos of them interacting with one another there were a couple that were that were filmed before the strike but it's just kind of frustrating to see how the strike has affected actors in that way um literally not giving them any opportunities to just share their thoughts about the film that they worked so hard on and having to literally just like the director having to kind of like hold that like press tour on her own uh, or like kind of have to carry it on her own it just it it does make me very frustrated but anyways I'm just thinking like when will this end it's I think I've made this uh like analogy or whatever before it kind of does feel like sort of the beginning of the pandemic where everyone's like oh this is gonna be over soon and then like movies will be in theaters again and then no everything just keeps getting pushed and pushed things are getting pushed right now um and it just i feel like it's so much easier for them to just make sure these people can afford to live 
than anything else. Like, it, they're just f making the process a lot more complicated than it needs to be. And when I say they, I hope people, like, everyone knows that I'm talking about, like, studios. <laughs> um, not the actors themselves. Like, they deserve to strike and have the right to ask for a fair compensation. So anyways, that rant kind of leads me into my first piece of news. So yeah, so SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP um, are set to resume negotiations today. So I say today as in when I'm recording this. So on the Tuesday, I hope that, you know, as soon as I'm done recording this, there is news about the negotiations and the strike can come to an end. But... I don't know, like, <laughs> I'm not saying that, like, things are looking grim, but I don't know. It just, I think there is a real stubbornness that the studios are, are just practicing right now. I don't even know how else to put it. So, yeah, I'm just, I, I hope that I can have, you know, start out next week with some news about the strike. I, I do I like I don't want to be negative about this, but it's just I think everyone in the industry knows that it's gonna to be tough. But hopefully that we can be proved wrong and the studios sign an agreement that actually fairly compensates the actors. Anyways, let's move on to some casting news. So Mike Flanagan, he's a king, like that's all I can say. His Flanagan's is so slay. Like, I finished The Fall of the House of Usher, and I just loved it so much. It's probably my second favorite show from him that I've seen. Again, haven't watched Midnight Mass, but I probably will start that very soon. Um, but anyways, yeah, so he's actually going to be creating another adaptation of a Stephen King novel. Um, so he is going to be directing the life of chuck so it's already starring tom hiddleston and mark hamill and yeah so we got some more casting news regarding the film and i'm glad that it is a film because he's been kind of hit in his um tv show bag for a long time so it'll be interesting to see him um you know direct uh, a film again and so yeah so some of the casting news includes chuatel Ejiofor, karen gillen and jacob tremblay so, I don't know, like, just from the five names alone that are attached to the project, I'm very invested. I feel like Tom Hiddleston has kind of been bogged down by um, his commitments to Marvel. And he's done other stuff, obviously, but I'm just really excited to see him do something that isn't attached to Marvel. And, anyways, um, so honestly, I I'm really excited about this because... I'm going to assume that Flanagan is really going to elevate the kind of haunted house story aspect of the life of Chuck. And I think Mike Flanagan works best when he is focusing on the haunting of one specific place or, yeah, just like a haunted place. And I mean, I say that even though The Fall of the House of Usher wasn't necessarily about like one haunted place, but... Um, anyways, yeah, I guess just, like, overall, I'm thinking of how good he is at creating that atmosphere and tension, um, within one specific setting, 
Um, and yeah, I mean, since this really is a story about a haunted house, I'm just very excited to see what he does with this. And I will be seated for honestly anything that he does. This is some really cool news that I don't think I've actually ever seen done before. So Blackberry, the film that dropped this year about, of course, Blackberry, um, what's happening with the film is they're actually going to extend it and split it into three episodes. So it's going to be a limited series that's going to have three episodes, 60 minute episodes. They're going to be 60 minutes each, and it's going to air on AMC and AMC Plus starting November 13th. So it's coming up really, really soon. And so what they're doing is they're basically, again, splitting the film into three parts, but they're going to be adding a lot of never-before-seen footage into each of the episodes. So, I don't know. I don't think... This is just... This was really... I don't think it's, like, shocking or anything, but I've never seen this happen before for a film. I'm... I'm... I, I mean, like, I'm not exactly sure if it's happened before, but I know that I've never seen something like this before. Like, I know that I've never watched something like this happen before. And so the fact that, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's just really cool that this is a concept that can exist. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think what will be interesting is to watch the film and then watch the limited series and kind of compare the two and... I don't want to say, you know, think of what will be more successful or like which one was more successful because they're definitely going to be different in their own way. Like one is more of a TV format and one is a film, but I think it's just interesting that they have so much never before seen footage that they're going to make them kind of like these hour long specials. And um, yeah, uh, it was just really, really cool to hear this news. So again, Blackberry, the film, it's going to be extended, split into three episodes, and it's going to be on AMC and AMC Plus starting November 13th. Uh, let, I, I don't even want to call this casting news, but I guess like casting updates. So Daisy Edgar Jones was actually set to star in Origins of Species. This was Ron Howard's upcoming film. It stars Anna de Armas, Jude Law, Alicia Vikander, and Daniel Bruhl. So yeah, great cast. I think that's actually a really, really great cast. Um, I mean, yeah, no, like actually looking at it now, I'm like, wow, that's kind of slay. But um, basically, she's had to actually drop out of the film. So Daisy Edgar Jones has had to drop out of the film due to the strike because as soon as the strike is over, she's going to continue filming Twisters. And so this is the sequel to Twister. Um, <laughs> they dropped, they, they popped an S on it. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so she was going to resume filming Twisters and she really couldn't com commit to the Ron Howard film due to, yeah, I guess like scheduling conflicts and stuff like that, that has been brought on by the strike. I, I don't know, like, I, I think Daisy Edgar Jones kind of, honestly, like, I, I think if she, like, plays her cards right, she could have a really, really great career. She already does, considering, like, she's so young, and she's been offered so many roles, and, um, yeah, I mean, the film Origins of Species was actually going to be about a group of 
people <laughs> who abandon civilization and then go to live on the Galapagos Islands. Not much is known about it besides that. I've been hearing that it was kind of like a dark comedy type thing. So yeah, um, very interesting like premise and the cast again, very great. I don't necessarily know how I mean, the thing is, like, I, I'm pretty sure Twisters already started filming and Origins of Species didn't. So I think it was just easier for her to drop out and, like, continue with Twisters as soon as the strike is over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, a sound decision. I think it definitely would have been cool for her to be part of Origins of Species. But anyways, um, yeah, so unfortunately she's had to drop out of it. But she has blonde hair for the Twisters film. At least I think so. I think that's why she has blonde hair because she's pretty sure playing the daughter of the characters from the previous film. So um, yeah, uh, unfortunately she's had, she's had to drop out. But I think I think the strike has just really been it's been making it's just really hard for people to commit to things, especially if they were filming things previously. Like now that or like when the strike is over you know, they're going to have to choose between either something that hasn't started filming or something that has been filming. So obviously they're going to choose the thing that has been filming. So yeah, unfortunately she's had to drop out of the film. But let's move on to some news about a upcoming film that is really, really... I don't know. I think the premise is cool. And I think this actor doing horror film is so cool. So anyways, we got a first look at Dev Patel in Bryn Cheney's horror movie. It's called Rabbit Trap. So he's going to be starring in the film alongside Rosie McEwen. And what's cool about this is that the king of weird films, <laughs> or I mean to a lot of people on the internet, he's the king of weird movies, is yeah, so <laughs> I'm like thinking, I'm like, is he? Yeah, let's call him that for now. So Elijah Wood, he is actually going to be among the producers for this film. So the film is set in 1973. It's starring Patel and Rosie McQueen again. And they are going to be starring as Darcy and Daphne Davenport. So they are married musicians again in the 70s. And they move from London to an isolated college cottage my bad in wales to record their new album and then yeah it's a horror film i mean what's interesting is that i think you know when you look at this premise you're kind of just like okay well how are they gonna go about this being a horror film but then you think of kind of like the isolation aspects within horror film that are always so prominent i think it'll definitely be really easy for them to yeah, I guess get across this sense of horror and, like, thematic elements that are within horror films. And I don't know. I think it being set in the 70s is kind of really cool. Um, again, Death Patel in horror, that's kind of a slay. Like, I don't know why people haven't been using him in horror films. Um, and, I mean, I think it would be cool to see the kind of music that they utilize in this film knowing that it's a horror film about musicians uh, and like the score is such a huge part of horror movies. I'm really excited to see what they can do with that aspect of the film. 
Um. Anyways, um, yeah, so we got some news about, I guess, confirmation regarding who is playing what in Guillermo del Toro's upcoming Frankenstein film. Unfortunately, this is going to be a Netflix movie. Ah, it's like, it's a horror movie. Like, put it in theaters. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, so yeah, Frankenstein, del Toro's upcoming adaptation of the novel. So Mia Goth is going to be playing the bride, obviously. Oscar Isaac is playing the monster and Andrew Garfield is playing the doctor. And I guess people were just unaware. I mean, I mean, it wasn't necessarily known that, you know, Oscar was playing the monster and then Andrew was playing the doctor. So again, they kind of finally announced and confirmed who is playing what in the film. And, um, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily know who I thought was going to play who, but I do think Andrew Garfield is going to make a really, really great doctor. Mia Goth is so slay. Um, I really, really want her to lead more films. She she kind of has that with the, you know, Pearl film and then Maxine. And I really do think that she can really solidify her as a huge movie star through taking these really, really weird, fun roles. Um, yeah, so we got confirmation regarding who is playing who in the Frankenstein adaptation. Well, let's move on to some news about the 007 franchise, so the James Bond franchise. Of course, as we know, Daniel Craig is... I think I was just moving my mic for that entire time. I'm so sorry. But anyways, Daniel Craig obviously is not playing the character anymore. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, his version of the character dies at the end of the movie. A... <laughs> kind of a goofy death, like, not gonna lie, but I, the, I don't know, No Time to Die, mm, here's the thing, I'll get to the news eventually, but I do want to, like, talk about the 007 franchise. I've only ever watched the Daniel Craig version of James Bond. He was great in the role, like, let's not get it twisted, and I think the highs in those films starring him were very high, but the lows were, um, pretty low, no Time to Die was, like, okay. It was kind of, like, a longer film. I thought Anna de Armas was going to be a main character. And she was... She literally had two minutes and a dream. And still, she slayed her, um... Her screen time. But anyways, uh, the point is, is that, like... I don't know. I... It, it's... I, it's just, like, interesting to me to think of the franchise. Because, again, I only know Daniel Craig's version... And it, it was very, like, hit or miss. Like, he was in what? Like, I'm trying to think. Hold on. There's Quantum of Solace. There's Skyfall. There's Casino Royale. There is... Spectre. And then... Is that what it's called? Spectre. And then there was No Time to Die. I might be missing one. But anyways, so five. Yeah, and it's just, like... um you know, he was really tied to this role for so many years and audiences got used to it. But it's like, yeah, so of the ones that I've just named, like, I think two were very, very good. The other ones, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, but anyways, 
yeah, so James Bond, Slay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just thinking of, like, the quality of the films. And anyways, let's move on to the actual news. So Barbara Broccoli, who is the producer for the film, she's actually said that they haven't even begun, you know, the process of, I guess, thinking or, like, reinventing the franchise after Daniel Craig has left the role. Um, so, again, there's, like, no casting, no directors. I mean, there's Nolan. Like, Christopher Nolan has kind of been attached to the the franchise, but I don't necessarily know. That was probably just a rumor. But I don't know. Like, I think that if the producers seeing that they haven't even really, like, begin, like, reinventing it, then we should probably listen to her. Um, I'm sure they do have some things going on in the background, but it's like, I don't think anything is really confirmed. I don't think they're, they know who they want to play the, the, the role of James Bond. But I mean, I do think it is a really, really large role to fill. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, so they haven't really begun like, you know, reinventing and moving forward with new projects regarding the character and she also confirmed that there's going to be no tv spinoffs which i'm kind of glad about like not everything needs to have a spinoff or like a million tv shows about it um i think james bond is like large enough to yeah i think i think it it's just like a large enough ip to kind of have the films and them being be successful you know like i don't i don't necessarily know if you need to have like these spinoffs um i'm sure people will tune in either way but yeah i don't know it's just uh yeah i i i think i think thinking of this franchise and like the legacy of it there's been so many movies attached to like the james bond name that i feel like it it'll be a good decision to kind of give it a break and, like, see where, like, public opinion rests with it in a couple of years just because, like, God, <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, um, Slay, so, uh, no TV spinoffs. They haven't really begun thinking of the, or I guess, like, planning the franchise after Daniel Craig. So that's the news that we got about James Bond. I will say that, um... This is the last piece of news, and this time I am not lying about that. So yeah, we got a first look at the new, I guess, section or portion of the Genius Anthology series. So Genius kind of just focuses on, you know, um, a specific figure, uh, whether it be like a musician, a scientist, etc. And it, yeah, I guess tells like the story of them, but I guess it goes a little bit more in depth than what people are used to knowing about these people so i think there was an aretha franklin one and there was also an einstein version of the anthology series so yeah the new section of i keep calling it a section because i don't know what else to call it the new i guess quote-unquote series for genius is going to be called mlk slash x um, so yeah, of course, it is going to be focusing on Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. So we got a first look at the series. So Kelvin Harrison Jr. is going to be playing Martin Luther King Jr. 
and Malcolm X is going to be played by Aaron Pierre. These are two really, really brilliant young actors, and I just love seeing them in whatever they do. Um, Chevalier was starring Kevin Harrison Jr., and he was just so good in that. Um, and I mean, if you haven't watched it, I think you should go watch it. But anyways, um, yeah, I also think Aaron Pierre is really, really great if he's in foe, uh, but I think it's probably more accessible to go watch Brother right now um, because I think it is on like streaming and stuff like that. So another great Canadian film. If you haven't watched it, uh, you really should. And yeah, um, so we got first looks at them and their respective roles. It's going to be premiering on February 2nd. So unfortunately it comes out next year. So you're gonna have to wait a little bit, but it's going to be on Disney Plus and Hulu. And I'm just really excited because I feel like there's a lot of like misconceptions about the relationship between these two men and um I guess just the way they went about their politics like I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions so I hope that this show can I guess I guess like kind of be a little bit more truthful I know you're never gonna get like a hundred percent truthful representation or um yeah like representation of someone's life but I think I'm hoping that this series can actually you know attempt to be a little bit better at showcasing um their values and the relationship that they had to one another as well okay so this is the part of the episode where we discuss rant about a show a film whatever um yeah uh it could be something we hate love whatever so I'm going to start out by talking about First Reformed. So this is the Paul Schrader film starring Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. And I loved it so much. I watched it a couple of months ago and I I kind of just went into it thinking like, oh, I'm really interested in movies about religion and um, how they navigate such a big, not necessarily, I don't mean like the metaphor of religion or like the symbolism of religion. No, I mean like things that are literally about someone who is either in the church or whatever. I just, when something is explicitly tied to religion. Um, yeah, so I really want to focus on First Reformed. I loved it so much. Um, I don't, I don't even like, it, it was just, it was interesting to me because I'm going to kind of be talking about two films here. So First Reformed, like, the ending is so good. <laughs> like, it's so good. I loved it so much. And it kind of, like, catches you off guard, but it's like, who cares? Um, <laughs> You kind of just have to, like, live with it in the moment. And I know a lot of people were upset about the ending, but I thought it was genius. Also, Paul Schrader, kind of an idiot, but, like, <laughs> um... Anyways, the film is really good. And it was interesting because I kind of did like a... Every year I kind of do like a mini Bergman marathon where I watch a couple of his films at a time just because he has so many of them. And I love a lot of them. And again, um, a lot of his films aren't necessarily explicitly about religion, but they are in a way like um, through... Faith, like looking at faith and et cetera, stuff like that. But Winter's Light was one of the films that actually involves like you know a, a priest and um 
what was interesting is while I was watching the film, here's what I had to do. First of all, I would just like to clarify that I think I just called it Winter's Light. It's called Winter Light. Anyways. Anyways, yeah. Uh, Bergman film from 1963. And what I had to do is I was watching the film and I literally had to... I looked around my room, paused the movie, got up, and went to my phone. And I typed in, is First Reformed a remake of Winter Light? And it's not. Like, there are a lot of differences um, and there are a lot of storylines within Winter Light that aren't necessarily quote-unquote replicated in First Reformed. But the main, the, the main, you know, like, the, the main, I guess, quote-unquote conflict is, um, I, it, just kind of like the loss of faith and, and questioning faith. And also there's, a the suicide of one of the churchgoers' husbands after he kind of realizes things about the world. And it's just like, I, w I was just like so confused. I was like, this is literally first reformed. And, and then I was like, wait. And, and it, again, it's not, but like Schrader took so much from Winter Light that it basically could be a remake. They just aren't necessarily like labeling it a remake and I understand why because I mean it kind of is really different but there's so much within it that is the same that I just I was so shocked like I paused the movie went to my phone and I was like wait a damn minute this is this is too similar and I mean yeah um Schrader definitely was inspired by it I think everyone knows that he knows that and it was just I don't know. I think I wanted to talk about First Reform because A, it's a great film. I actually liked it more than Winter Light. But Bergman's impact on film can like not be understated at all, especially when it comes to films about faith and religion and how, you know, just navigating that world. And it's just, it was, it was cool. Like, honestly, like I was confused by it at first because I was like, wait, I didn't know that First Reform was like a remake. But, like, knowing or I guess just, like, understanding how much of a giant Bergman is within the industry even still today. But also, you know, within the films of auteurs is really, really cool. And honest, honestly, like, it kind of just made me really happy um, to see that, th you know, through a newer film, you can still find glimpses of Bergman's work anyways um time to anyways actually before I get into it go watch Bergman's movies um they're so good oh my god anyways let's talk about a film that is going to be released in theaters this week what's really funny about this is that um um I'm going from talking about like Paul Schrader and Bergman to Five Nights at Freddy's but you know I'm talking about the news here okay so uh yeah Five Nights at Freddy's this is of course the film based on the video game of the same name it's directed by Emma Tammy and it's from a screenplay she co-wrote with Scott Cawthon I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name and Seth Kudeback Kudeback Seth Kudeback okay yeah so it's going to be produced pr produced God damn it. 
it's going to be produced by Blumhouse Productions. Um, anything Blumhouse does, I think, is really cool. They have been really elevating horror recently um, to, you know, like, when I say elevating, I don't mean elevated horror. I mean elevating it as in getting it to more people and, yeah, just making it have, like, a large audience. So, again, um, it's going to be produced by Blumhouse Productions, Scott Cawthon Productions, and Striker Entertainment. Again, based on the video game of the same name. The film stars Josh Hutcherson, Elizabeth Lale, Piper Rubio, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Matthew Lillard. And, again, it's based on the video game. I've said that three times, but I'm trying to, like... I'm trying to, like, navigate how to talk about this because... I know about the video game. I just never played it as a kid. I used to watch my friends play it all the time on their little like iPods and phones. And so I know what it's about. I think it was such a huge sensation to the point that as a kid, I didn't necessarily understand. Like I was like, okay, this looks cool. I just didn't care enough to download the game and like play it. Um, but, you know, I think it's cool that the people who like worked on the game, uh, who created the game, I should say, also co-wrote the screenplay, and Emma Tammy is directing it, and she also helped with writing the screenplay. I think that's very, very cool. Um, the cast is fun, <laughs> and yeah, so the film is going to follow the security guard that, or I should say employee, because I don't necessarily remember. I think it was a security guard, but anyways, yeah, so in the film, he's going to be a security guard who accepts the job, a nighttime job, I should say, because everything is scarier at night, at an abandoned kind of, uh, yeah, like a family entertainment center. And he discovers that the animatronic mascots that are within the, the, the building move and they kind of are sentient, and, or I shouldn't say that, but you get what I'm saying. And they move and they kill anyone who is there after midnight um but you know it's his job to um look after the building etc because he is the security guard and yeah um <laughs> i i think i'm going to watch this with my friends so so i can't even say anything i i hope it's good i hope it's fun i'm ready to get scared and anyways um yeah so again, Five Nights at Freddy's, it's in theaters this weekend. I think it's a perfect time to watch it because Halloween is just around the corner. And so, yeah, um, thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe if you want. I don't even care. You can follow, follow. Yeah, I guess you can follow. I was like, what am I trying to say? You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. I think those are the only three things that I have. Um, at Vanessa on Films. And yeah. Um, thanks for tuning in and, uh, bye.